A warm welcome in the name of Jesus Christ on this Pentecost Sunday. Bless the Lord, O my soul. When you send forth your spirit, O Lord, the world is given life. When you send forth your spirit, O Lord, the face of the earth is renewed. Bless the Lord, O my soul. this day of Pentecost, our responsive reading is a statement of faith, uh, the contemporary statement of faith of the Presbyterian Church in Canada, known as living faith. It begins with chapters on God, creator and ruler, and Jesus the Christ. And it continues now with God, the Holy Spirit. I invite you to read this responsively with me. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the triune God and is one with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, the renewer and helper of God's people. By the Spirit, God is present in the world. 
the source of all goodness and justice. By the Spirit, God convinces the world of sin and testifies to the truth of Christ. By the Spirit, Christ is with his church. The Spirit enables people to receive the good news of Christ, to repent of their sins, and to be adopted as children of God. As we hear and respond to the gospel, we freely turn to Christ. When we have turned and repented, we recognize that the Spirit enabled us to believe. The Holy Spirit accompanies us on our journey of faith. We may not always be sure of this presence, yet God's Spirit is with us, sometimes gently, sometimes powerfully, guiding us in the midst of life, our comfort and our help. Christian life is a pilgrimage. It begins, continues, and ends in God. By the Spirit, Christ calls the Church into being and unites us to himself and to each other. The Holy Spirit is in all who know Christ. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. We pray as a Church to be guided into truth, knowing that such truth may disturb and judge us. The presence of the Holy Spirit is seen in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, loyalty, gentleness, and self-control. The Spirit blesses us with various gifts. We seek to discover those gifts and to use them for our Lord. Faithful, loving service is a sign that the Spirit is present. The presence of the Spirit is evident where people are made whole, encouraged, and enabled to grow in Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.
What is this? A candle. What are the functions of candles? To give light. Why is this candle not giving light? It hasn't been lit. What does it need? A flame. In Proverbs, it is noted at one point that we are the candles of the Lord. We need to be lit by God. Pentecost, a traditional Jewish feast day, 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, also Pentecost. All his friends and followers were doing what they were told to do. In Jerusalem, wait. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. There was wind and there was flame, and they were alive in a whole new way, like candles that have been lit. We are the candles of the Lord. When God touches us with Holy Spirit, we become alive. We become the church. A reading now from Acts chapter 2, led by Andy and Kim, Sarah, and Alec. Acts 2, Selected Verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them, speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. <clears throat> and I will show the portents in the heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, 
wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and sent to Peter and the other apostles. Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom our Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the baking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The anthem this morning is a text from the 15th century with a tune from the 20th century. Come down, O love divine. It's number 386 for those of you with a book of praise at home. This anthem this morning will be sung by a virtual choir brought together by Damien Macedo. Damien was for some time an organ scholar here at St. Andrews and is now practicing law in Toronto but also playing the organ and conducting. And now, thanks to internet voices from the following church choirs, we have an anthem. Voices that come to us from choirs of St. John's Norway, the Anglican Church in Toronto, where Damien is now, along with St. George's and St. Paul's here in Kingston, and St. Mark's, Florence, Italy and Sydenham Street United and St. Paul's United in Perth, St. Andrew's Presbyterian, and Roman Catholic churches too, Corpus Christi in Toronto and Domitian Abbey in Jerusalem, Israel. What a wonderful gift on this day of Pentecost, a reminder of the fullness of the Church of Christ.
The minister has remembered his caller and is now prepared to preach. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we began our preparations for this Sunday, early in the week, John mentioned to me, Pentecost, it's such a great celebration. Whereas Christmas and Easter have become very much wider community events, Pentecost remains something precious within the church. Well, John, I agree. Precious is Pentecost. Why? Because this is something like a birthday for the church. It's true that just as with a human life there is much before birth, there was much to the church before Pentecost. But this is the moment. This Pentecost is the moment that the church came to its first breath, came to be the living body of the living Lord. And so we celebrate. When you look back in scrapbooks that have been prepared by parents for their children, the first photos that you often see are set in a hospital room, an infant held by a mother. Well, it's hard to imagine what the first photographs would be in a scrapbook of the day of Pentecost, what with wind and flame all over, disciples pouring out of a closed room into the street, a sermon that seemed to go on forever, a crowd gathering, a new beginning for humanity. Well, here is one representation, one image of that day. This is an 11th century mosaic that fills the dome of the Hosius Lucas Monastery Chapel in Phocis, Greece. I find it more evocative than any photograph could be, for it captures the deeper dimensions of that day, of that experience, of that birth. At the center, we see not a human mother, but the Holy Spirit, symbolized by a dove, a popular representation of the Holy One in the Jewish tradition of the first Christians. The Holy Spirit, symbolized by a dove, in a heavenly great blue disc, it perches over a golden and bejeweled book, representing Jesus Christ, the living Word, and both on the throne of the Father. The Holy Spirit, one of the three in one. The Holy Spirit at the center of time and space, that mysterious presence of God that first brooded over the waters at the creation of the world, that has always blown where she wills throughout human history, that presence that inspires prophets and artists and scientists and leaders unseen, who convicts without conversion and strengthens from within the Holy Spirit that creates the Church. 
All around the mosaic, you can see are seated the disciples. They sit in a circle. There are no names attached to any one of them, no characteristics that would distinguish one from the other. But each of them holds the written word of God. You'll see either a scroll or a book. And running from the center to each individual, there is a corridor of flame. That mosaic forms a dome over that sanctuary, and it acts like a a visual bridge between earthly and heavenly spaces, between the present time and an eternal time. It links the worship of the people below with the very beginnings of the church long ago, represented by the apostles above and beyond even the first Christians. At the very center of time and space, the Holy Spirit, the Holy One in Three. Pentecost, it's understanding the divine origin of the church itself. The church is the will and the work of God. I love the way that these disciples are all represented as being equal in that circle. There's no hierarchy of authority or position, nor of commission. They all receive the same flame and the same amount of flame. Not one of them is closer to the center than the others. In the account read for us from Acts, Peter may have been the only one recorded speaking, but we're told it wasn't just him. And it wasn't just the twelve. It was all the followers of Jesus who were gathered, including the women, and 120 in total were told of all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The fire pouring upon the disciples. It doesn't just rest upon them. It moves them. Those flames are a symbol of the disciples being anointed by the Holy Spirit and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel to others. It's an image of them being given the ability and the understanding to bring people to healing and to hope, to salvation, through the word of God that they hold, that they hold only to pass on which they did, of course. By the end of that day of Pentecost, we're told 3,000 were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the disciples turned apostles. They left that large city of Jerusalem, and wherever they went, wherever they settled, they grew communities of living faith around them. This was not just another religious revival or spontaneous spiritual outburst that would pass on as quickly as it appeared. No, this was the descent of the Holy Spirit, to rest and to work upon humanity until the close of history. The Holy Spirit, whose first work is the creation of the church and whose continuing work is the church and its witness. The church has always been and always will be 
a thoroughly human body, for better or for worse. But the Church is, first and foremost, an act of God. It is God's gift to us that we might become and remain and always be in this world as God's people. As a birthday of the Church, this day is full of joy and thanksgiving for Christians, as for anybody with a birthday. But just with our personal, individual birthdays, the more birthdays celebrated, the more reflection there is, as well as thanksgiving. It's now been two millennia that the Church of Christ has celebrated since that first Pentecost. St. Andrew's Kingston itself knows two centuries of life. And we do not have a glistening mosaic over our heads. Ah, but we do have a dove. It's found perched on the tallest organ pipe at the center of the sanctuary. It's said that when the first sanctuary St. Andrews burned and was reduced to rubble, this metal bird was one of the only parts that survived. It's a reminder of our beginning, our beginning not with the construction of the first stone church in Kingston, not with the ordination of the first elders, not with the arrival of the first minister on Christmas Day, 1821, not with a group gathering in Moore's Coffee House on Store Street, now Princess Street, in 1818. It's a reminder of our beginning by the Holy Spirit, at work through one and all. It's a reminder of the power and the commission that we know by the Holy Spirit. John recently cleaned and restored this dove while working on the organ pipes, and I love the fact that this dove has an olive branch in its mouth. The flood is over. The water is receding. The land is appearing. There's the promise of a new beginning by the grace of God. The promise of a new beginning for us. Our failures washed away. A new beginning for us. New opportunities ahead to be seized. Led by the Holy Spirit. During this time of confinement, while some have suffered from isolation, families with young children have struggled with activity, particularly if the parents have tried to continue with their work at home. But I've heard wonderful stories, stories about how parents have found opportunities in the midst of all the challenge to share experiences that might become foundational in the lives of their children. Taking some planks of wood and teaching a child how to saw and sand and, and screw them together into a birdhouse. The joy of creating something with our own hands. Or how to grow vegetables from seed and transplant them outside and water them or how to transform a, a lawn of grass into a field of native pollinators for butterflies and hummingbirds, teaching a connection with soil and the dynamics of creation. Or parents bundling the kids into the van and 
having selected some foodstuffs, driving to the food bank, showing the children care of neighbor, even doing some online research together, not schoolwork per se, part of a curriculum, but in this case, selecting a charity that the children find interesting, a charity in another continent, perhaps one working to banish child labor, perhaps one helping to dig in a village well that will help the whole community, and especially the women, helping the children think about caring for strangers. Well, suddenly I thought, perhaps in this time of confinement, it's the Holy Spirit that is our parent, and we are the children. In this time of confinement, perhaps the Holy Spirit is helping us experience foundational motions for us as Christians, in which we might emerge more fully as the Church of Christ. As we long to gather again in worship and fellowship, perhaps the Holy Spirit is bringing us to an awareness of what we too long took for granted, the strength and joy that's found in the congregation of God's people, in a commitment to Christ through his church. Perhaps as we make a phone call to a long-neglected friend, or we send a card by snail mail to one for whom we have experienced hurtful separation. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is reminding us of the power of God to restore relationship, to work forgiveness and reconciliation. As we turn from the distraction and exhaustion of the rolling news feeds, and we turn to articles and documentaries and podcasts about a whole host of topics from philosophy to astronomy to art? Are we being opened by the Spirit to consider the larger dynamics of this humanity and this creation and see the world and care for the world as does God? As we have slowed down and restricted our outings and ceased many of our activities, is the Holy Spirit inviting us to experience life simpler and closer to home, and yes, closer to heart and to soul, closer to neighborhood, closer to neighbors? And as we become proficient with WhatsApp and house party and Zoom and so much else in a new way of communication, even corporate worship through YouTube, is the Holy Spirit assuring us that as on that first day, when peoples from different cultures were able to understand the gospel each in their own language, is the Holy Spirit assuring us that it can take our stumbling articulations of faith with family and friends and have them understood. Those disciples were led out of that closed room on the day of Pentecost, and the world was changed. It was the Holy Spirit who descended upon them. It was the Holy Spirit 
who bound them together to become the living body of the living Lord. It was the Holy Spirit that moved them to share the love of God in Jesus Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired them to consider a new humanity, a new world order. Pentecost, it was all about the Holy Spirit. It is all about the Holy Spirit, if we allow it. Amen. Now our prayers of thanksgiving and intercession. For myself, I have on my heart the people of Hong Kong protesting for freedom, the citizens of Minneapolis marching for justice, a plea from our Prime Minister to support nations with less resources because if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we're all in this together as one humanity. In our own city, families separated and frustrated, and frontline workers exhausted and yet persevering, and leadership determined to find a way forward amidst the unknowns and the uncertainties. But most of all, a prayer now for the Church in the midst of it all. Let us pray. Gracious and ever-loving God, from the beginning, you have been so much with us and for us, through blessing and bane, invisibly moving in our lives, drawing us out of ourselves and into life with you and with others. Gracious and ever-loving God, we praise you this Pentecost day for your Holy Spirit, 
the power of the Father come to embrace us, the grace of the Son come to renew us from within. With Holy Spirit, you spread galaxies across the universe. With Holy Spirit, you gave strong words to the prophets and joyous songs to the psalmists. With Holy Spirit, you gave visions to the young and dreams to the old. By Holy Spirit, your church comes together and is alive. By Holy Spirit, our faith is growing and forgiveness is known. By Holy Spirit, you make your people yours. By Holy Spirit, our power, truth, and love bestowed on ordinary women and men. Power to live bravely in a hard world. Truth to break through confusion and complexity. Love to bring us closer to you and to share with others. What you have begun, holy God, we pray this day continue. You have made it clear, O God, that your Holy Spirit brings us together as the Church and sends us out to embrace all humanity with your eternal arms. So hear us now as we begin this going out, as in this time of silence, we lift up our prayers personal, our prayers for others, those close to us and those far. Hear us, O God, as we pray. O oh God, we pray, give us grace this day to recognize the stirrings of your Holy Spirit within our souls and among us. Let not the distractions of this world so confuse us that we forget only you gives life. We thank you for gathering us into the church of your Son. May we never deceive ourselves as to the meaning of your calling nor deprive ourselves of the joy of your service within the community of your people and through the church, our service of all humanity. O oh God, give us grace this day to recognize the stirrings of your Holy Spirit within our souls and within this congregation. And hear us, O oh God, as we continue together with the words our Lord gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor upon you and grant you peace this Pentecost day and your every day. Amen.